0: From St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air.
1: I'm Sarah Fenske. Yesterday was Casey Nolan's last day at KSDK. The NBC affiliate's political editor and weekend anchor is headed to a new job in Washington, D.C., along with his fiance and fellow KSDK reporter Abby Larico. It's a big change. Casey Nolan has been at KSDK for almost 15 years, and in that time he's become one of St. Louis's most respected TV journalists. And he joins us today. Casey, welcome.
2: It you know, made me cry right there. Oh,
1: uh, right at the start.
2: I mean, that's just uh, life. Life is too good to bums like me sometimes.
1: Yeah, I mean, you feel you feel really blessed at this moment in your life.
2: I do, uh, and and not to. I, I don't know exactly where you'd like to go with the conversation. I'm surprised anybody besides myself likes the sound of my own voice. But the top of that list is Abby. You know, I mean, not to get maybe too personal, but like. Um, That's incredible and and unbelievable to me still. Uh, And I I should mention... (laughs) <laughs> because she is so much more organized than me, and I was uh, at the station earlier, dragging blazers out. Uh, when I, she had her stuff packed yesterday. She is now home with the dogs, uh, at packing uh, to go hit the road. She's so packing your house up. It's a little embarrassing that I'm I'm here uh, seeking uh, attention while she is. <laughs> She's doing the work. Doing the work.
1: So I find myself wondering about your last day. Mm. I mean, that's always so hard. Did you actually file a report yeah. on your? Last Last day you did,
2: and that's the only way to do it. Yeah, uh, because you know whatever challenges the industry has and different things that you might come across, I think I can speak for Abby and me both. Like when we're doing the work, there's nothing we'd rather be doing. Um, and my last report yesterday, I had the this this responsibility that someone had sat down and told me that their very personal story and the mission that their life is on right now, and so I I just. Uh, you know, had to finish that story. I had story. to finish, and I had to focus, so it yeah. wasn't a lot of like hugs and tears, because I was on deadline, and I, you can ask anyone, I like to say I use every minute possible, they might say I unnecessarily stress the entire team, but nevertheless, we made slot.
0: Yeah, so
1: you cut it close, you hit that deadline. I
2: like to say I used all the time I had. Why would you waste any of it?
1: There you go. I mean, I think what how you've gained so much respect over the years is <laughs> that you're there every day working, you know, you're doing that story. And I think just a great example of this, it turns out there was Casey Nolan Day. This (laughs) happened last Thursday. Mayor Tashara Jones proclaimed this to be Casey Nolan Day. I I guess that came out of left field.
2: I'm still not so sure I wasn't being punked.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, this was for real. I've seen it on Twitter. Once you see it on Twitter, you know it's for real. So how did they spring this on you?
2: Well, I, I... had one last interview with her scheduled, um, I knew there were some things we need to talk about with ARPA and, and, uh, you know, just think where the city's headed and different things like that, that I wanted to just, you know, try to make some time for. Um, and when we were wrapping up, I, as we often do on a taped interview, what else would you like to say that I haven't asked you? Things like that. And she said, we have a little surprise for you. And then, the, Nick Dunn, her communications person came out and handed me that. And it was. As I think I said at the time, ridiculous, uh, but it was very, I mean, I, I'm both embarrassed and it's ridiculous, but I'll treasure it and you better believe it's going on the wall.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a pretty big deal. But but what I love most about this story is after you got the proclamation, like you didn't go do a champagne <laughs> toast somewhere, you went back to the TV station yeah. and then you cut and edited yeah. the piece about this that had to air oh, on yeah, the news. Oh,
2: yeah, that's right. So I didn't, the, the photographer I was lucky to be working with that day, uh, Joe Young, recorded it and then the the producer said, hey, we got to put that on TV. I was like, I don't know about that. She's going like, to it's already written. Can you cut the video? I was like, OK, no problem. That's the glamour of TV right That's there. That's the glamour. <laughs>
1: like you're doing the work. And so this this gets to sort of your background in mm. St. Louis TV journalism. You were the first MMJ. This mm. is multimedia journalist.
2: Backpack journalist, as it said on my first contract, as I cleaned out my desk today. I yeah. Saw, yeah. And
1: I feel like these backpack journalists were kind of controversial when they sure. started coming into the bigger markets, because the idea was You know, you're out in the field. You get a whole crew to come with you, and Mm. and the crew has to do a lot of the work. Backpack journalists, you're there. You're filming yourself.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's got its ups and downs, but I think – you know without listen all of the any ask any industry and their their jobs are changing there's a, one of our favorite sandwich shops you order your sandwich at a kiosk not from a person so yeah. like things are changing right but as far as the what how it affects the quality of reporting i mean i shoot you know eighty ninety 90% of my own stories and i have a tiny little camera that might not get me past security at city hall mm. but it's also less intimidating when you approach someone and i feel like the conversations, not always. Uh, I fifty-fifty. I would just as there are certain situations where I couldn't do it without a, a, a second a man or woman behind the camera with me. But uh, there are advantages to that. Tiny gear and the kind of intimate conversations you can have, maybe on the more personal story sometimes. Yeah. And and I just like shooting video.
1: Well, yeah, and having to shoot your own stuff. I feel like there's a real misconception with some print journalists that what print journalists do is harder. And T V people are just good looking. No, I, don't, no. I don't know. It's well, I
2: don't know about the second part because <laughs> I, but 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 yeah, you're right. No, so that's a really good point. I agree. I think there's like X amount of energy all of us put into any given story. Mm-hmm. But so so where we may, you know, there's, there is there is value in the visual reporting in that a person can judge for themselves, whether the politician or the police officer or the person claiming innocence, whoever, that you can judge for yourself whether you believe them when you see what they are saying. It's and, powerful. And it's see a how a they say it. good TV yes. interview. So I think there is really, really, you know, meaty value in the visual journalism. Having said that there is a lot of just logistical uh there are a lot of logistical challenges into shooting writing editing that takes up time so whereas the print person maybe could have done a little more research or could have written a longer story for the you know digital version or whatever so there's only so much energy all of us can put into it and that's why you gotta that's why you gotta watch more than you know you gotta you gotta watch your news and you gotta read your news you gotta kind of you know get a sampling of different mediums
1: i like looking at it. Um, Did it ever frustrate you, though, that people are thinking, oh, TV, they're just doing the quick hit thing. You know, all they do is this. People don't always take TV reporters as seriously as they should.
2: Yeah. Well, I don't know. We don't always live up to the standard that we should either. Right. So, um, listen, we're all under attack right now. I don't I, I don't have any qualms about saying that I and mean, you know and, and from both sides I just saw something yesterday on Twitter where a, a fairly prominent Democrat in the state was taking issue with a fairly prominent newspaper mm-hmm. I'm like yeah they make mistakes and they should correct them they should own up to them but you know are we going to we can't just dismiss these institutions that we rely on to it's it's mob rule if we don't have the press it's just mm-hmm. mob rule and so that the, we have to take seriously and support whether it be in subscriptions or donations like you all are talking about now partnerships or just even just in the spirit of how you talk about your local newspaper or your local. Having said that, yeah. hold us accountable too, sure, because we can't have we, we can't have uh, you know uh, unchecked media either.
1: But do you think that's something that has changed in the 15 years you've been working in St. Louis journalism? Hmm. That maybe state leaders or other politicians around the state um, maybe have a testier relationship with. They're they're almost proud of it being a testy sometimes. relationship.
2: yeah, sometimes, yeah. I mean, I and I, look, we, we don't have to get into it now, but I think we can, you know. Uh, Those who follow the news closely in this state can think of a good example that's been highlighted. A good
1: recent example. A good recent example
2: that continues to highlight itself over and over again. Um, But it's back and forth. So, yes, there is some of that showmanship that goes on, I think. But also I will tell you that um, there are politicians who still seem to value local news almost more than national news or, you know, they have platforms of their own, Twitter, Facebook, whatever, but they still want to talk to us. And that, and I'll, I'll give you two examples on two extremes of the political spectrum. Josh Hawley and Corey Bush hmm. are both willing to talk to me pretty regularly,
1: and uh, themselves, not just their handlers. No,
2: no, yeah, and especially now in the Zoom world, I think that's they've hmm. they've learned to take advantage of that. Well, you know, sometimes they have resources once they're in Washington where they can sit in front of a satellite link up and whatnot. But um, yeah, I mean, they are both. I would say two of the better examples of uh, accessibility as politicians.
1: It's interesting because they seem so different, and they're obviously on a very uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Mm-hmm. They're both very far on the political spectrum, but in different directions. Do you see some commonalities with these two well, young kind of maybe rising stars?
2: Well, I, look, I would, I would, uh, I'd, I'd like to bring in Jason Rosenbaum to have a more uh, to have a fuller picture of what I'm about to say here. But are they not both? And, you know, fighting over the working class vote, mm-hmm. they both will claim to be the answer to the, the 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 every person problems. You know, we have this. Who who could have guessed that? Uh, Republicans would be the populist, you know, yeah. fifteen years ago, A- and at the same time, Corey Bush would tell you, you know, well, how can you be for the the working man when you don't want want him or her to have uh, health care? You know, that yeah. these not my. I'm not endorsing these theories, but um, so so on one hand, they're both fighting for the same votes, it seems perhaps, or uh, and maybe the identity of their parties at the same time. But I think more importantly, to you know, to, to stay on topic here, they both seem to value. That those of us in local media are trusted, I hope, to some degree because we do live here, mm-hmm. you know they can see Seraffinsky at the grocery store and give' them, give you a piece of their mind, yeah, um, they don't maybe feel that way with the New York Times or whatever, so um. I think they recognize something that maybe we all ought to recognize in ourselves a little more, that we, you know, yes, the business is changing. It's up to some bean counters that I don't even know the names of to figure out how we all stay on the air. But um, we do have value.
1: Yeah. I mean, they they certainly have their finger on the pulse, and they see that value. Have you seen a lot of change in that TV news business model here in this one market being there for 15 years you know so many people are just streaming Netflix mm-hmm. as opposed to watching NBC yeah. does that make it harder to do the job the way that that you did it
2: sure and again i you know we for for ethical reasons and other you know just traditions that i don't really know much of the business side those they've done a good job of keeping a wall between the editorial newsroom and the folks in the sales department over on the commercial side there Um, so, so I don't want to, you know, talk out of my league, out of my, out of my expertise here. Um, but sure, things have changed for sure. I mean, I, I, I can tell you when it's like anything, if we're just talking about television, it's anything else in TV live and, and instantaneous people still come to, Mm -hmm. uh, if it's, um, you know, God forbid, you know, something of a conflict in nature that we are covering wall to wall, as we say, yeah, you can see the spike in the viewership, or if there is a storm, <laughs> you can make fun <laughs> of it all you want. Very but good for business. everybody making fun of it is also watching, let me just tell you. Yeah. So, um, or at the beginning of the pandemic, when we needed to know information and we needed to know, uh, you know, from our local sources. think March 2020, people were watching like the good old days because... Yeah. I mean, if you can, you can also DVR and, and there's so many other, so, so, so we're, we're a niche just like Spotify, you know, bands on Spotify or anything else, but, um, it's our job to figure out how to, to be in a lot of those places.
1: We're talking today to Casey Nolan. He is the uh, longtime uh, journalist, political editor at KSDK. Up until yesterday, he's headed to a new job in Washington, D.C., working for the same company that uh, owns KSDK. He'll be working for their Washington affiliate. Casey, something that is unusual about you, at least as far as the journalists I know, is you're actually from rural Missouri. You grew up outside Cape Girardeau. Is that right? Sarah,
2: I've been working years to hide my... Uh, insecurities about my lack of education at trying to seem sophisticated and now when you're gonna have out your
1: education but. yeah
2: well don't 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 uh call Mizzou and ask him for my transcripts I'll tell you that
1: <laughs> you were not a straight A student
2: no no I was in the classes that had to do with video production but I was uh I was I was no, let's not go down that road there I, but um uh yeah and I that's talk about a change uh, you know I grew up in southeast Missouri that w- it was um, was it Bill Emerson, who was the republican uh congressman down there, and he was a, r- a rarity they called people who voted for him Democrats because it was very blue. My mm-hmm. grandmother and her generation were all- you know new deal Democrats and so talk about how things have changed uh there as well politically anyway um also i can I can certainly see how uh, at least that slice of rural America has changed you know with the the amenities, you know, the grocery stores that used to be there that are no longer there because Walmart is a twenty minute drive away and things like that. So yeah. I uh, yeah, I have a real fondness for for rural Missouri as just like I do St. Louis.
1: So what made you growing up in rural Missouri get so interested? In, it sounds like it was the video side of things you got interested yeah, in yeah. What, what was the draw there?
2: Hmm. I don't know. I, I haven't I'm not sure. Uh, l- listen, I stumbled into this career, Sarah. I, I went to Mizzou because I wanted to, you know, go explore a, what I thought was a big city in Columbia, Missouri. I never forget learning about one-way streets the hard way. Um, <laughs> you had
1: not had one-way streets prior no, to Columbia. No, yeah, no,
2: not 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 in somewhere I'd lived.
1: Tell me you didn't crash head on.
2: No, no. Um, and then it is there's a great journalism school there yeah. that um, I did not attend, but I started to associate with, and next thing you know, I was running a camera, and uh, they found me a job, and that's how we got. So here. they
1: kind of sucked you in. You weren't one of these kids who was like, "I'm going to Mizzou. I want to be a journalist. No, I'm going to TV."
2: No, not at all. Uh,
1: and what? how did they do that? Did you have friends in that program? Or you they just... put a
2: sign. I, I, I wanted to work in documentary production. So I was uh, in the comm department, and they had a sign hanging on the wall looking for camera operators. And I, I needed a job. And I said, OK. So I went out there. And the next thing you knew, I was shooting news and in, sucked in and got bit, got bit by the news biz
1: got bit by the news biz. I love it. Well, I'm actually going to go to the phone lines here. Okay. We have another thing that you got bit by. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that is Abby Larico, oh, a reporter at KSDK, um, Casey Nolan's
0: fiance. Uh, Abby, hi. Hey, great chat. I feel like I just want to keep listening to Casey tell more stories. A- you look Abby, the I'll be home soon.
2: I'm really sorry. I just do not. I don't lift any heavy boxes. I will be home soon. <laughs>
1: Abby, this doesn't seem fair that you got stuck with all the packing. Is this kind of how things go? Casey likes to cut things a little close, and and you're there to organize.
2: Well, we're running up on a break here. I see.
0: <laughs> you know, I'm just I'm the brains behind the operation True. at home. I'm a little bit more. He. he the tv world he's really good at video i'm really good at production um and that's how it works at home too he's really good at the going out in the world stuff and i'm good at the keeping the house running so yes i'm standing between a bunch of u-haul boxes but i'm glad that he has a chance to connect with you all here in st louis one more time well, we appreciate you freeing him up for that. So
1: I got to ask, I kind of think of, I used to think of Casey as like one of the, the St. Louis bachelors, you know, man about town. How did the two of you forge this This is not this really on the air, is, is, is it? <laughs> oh, it's not really on the air. You can throw down. <laughs> uh, well, Sarah,
0: I'll just tell you this. I did too. And um, <laughs> going
2: on? Here?
0: didn't think I would wind up falling for the guy who was uh, showing me how to use my camera and I was trying to get his attention with cleverly worded tweets I had no idea that he was also interested in me um you were tweeting at him Abby oh I was like tweeting at him I was posting things on Instagram to try to like see because remember I worked the morning show for the first several years until March of 2020 actually I was on the morning show and he was nightside, and so we barely saw each other at work but I just thought he was so smart and uh mm. yeah you know his reputation about being kind of a cool bachelor guy may have uh, made its way to the morning oh show as gosh. well but I'm really glad we, I got to know him a little better. Just
2: for the record Abby is the most brilliant human I've ever come across <laughs> and um she makes me want to be a better man. I
1: love that. I love that. And I love that, you know, she had to resort to flirting with you on Twitter, but eventually you realize... She's
2: being very kind. Wow. (laughs) The first time I ever called her for a story on the clock she answered and said uh, you know i have a work phone right you don't have to call my personal phone so <laughs> that, i'm not sure that she's giving you the full picture here
1: well i I'm, I'm so glad the two of you have ended up together and i feel like st louis loves this love story we're also very sad to leave you like has the last last day or two has it sunk in like you guys are you guys are headed to washington
2: abby you you take that one
0: I think it's one of those things where, um, you know, it's going to take a while to sink in because we still kind of look at each other, you know, and sometimes we say, are we grown ups who are allowed to be in charge of our own life like this? And so um, this is just kind of the biggest step that either one of us have ever taken with another person. That's not even talking about getting married this summer. Um, Just the idea of moving to a new place and finding things out for the first time and learning a new city. I am... I'm so confident in Casey that it's going to be moments before people there love him the way that they have here for nearly 15 years. I'm excited for the new challenge. Um, And my family knows that we're not too, and his family as well, who's on their way to come help us with some of the packing, um, knows that we're not too far away and St. Louis will always be home. Well, I
1: hope you guys will not be strangers. Abby LaRico, thank you for, for calling in and joining this conversation. you home soon,
2: honey.
0: All right. Don't let him stay too late. He has boxes to move. <laughs> well, on that note, Casey, thank you very much.
2: Thank you, Sarah.
0: Today's episode was produced by Sarah Fenske with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer.
1: St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio.